Well, it is nice to be back on the island again and to be uh, uh, working in South Loughs uh, these uh, couple of weeks. Um, and nice to be to be with you here in Barvis this morning. And if you're tuning in online from uh, your own home uh, today, may uh, God uh, speak to you and encourage you uh, as well. I, so when I was last here, I, 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 I was working with the Faith Mission um, based in Edinburgh. We lived for seven years in Edinburgh as a family. Um, and then uh, we felt God calling us to a congregation over in Northern Ireland. And so I, I, just, I just met one or two of the people from the congregation, only met them in passing as part of a work team. Um, and so whenever I headed over there, I had to get to know them all. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and before I could trust them, or before they could trust me, uh, we had to get to know each other. And the same sort of a thing that happens in any relationship. You don't just trust a person, or you maybe trust a person a little bit. If you walk into a chip shop or whatever, uh, you trust a person to provide chips for you, but you don't trust them with the rest of your life. Uh, and uh, you could apply that sort of general principle with all of the people that we interact with in life. Uh, we, um, as we get to know them more, maybe we trust them more, or as we get to know them more, maybe we trust them less. You know, that, that sort of general principle that uh, shapes our lives. Now, what we have here, uh, if I was given a title to this, it would be, Who is this man? And what, what we have in Mark's Gospel is a revelation of who Jesus is, and then a call to trust him. You can see the book splitting in two. If you were to, if you were to flick ahead a couple of pages uh, to uh, uh, chapter 8, you would see um, that by chapter 8 and verses 27, Jesus was on the way uh, to, uh, with his disciples, uh, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and uh, others say one of the prophets. And he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And so all throughout Mark's gospel, we've been, or uh, he has been building up the picture of who Jesus is. And he comes to a kind of a high point with that in, in this uh, 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 confession of Peter's in, in uh, chapter 8, verse 29. And then and, and then the, the, uh, the, the whole emphasis and the movement of the book changes. Uh, for you see in verse uh, 34 and 35, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, so having come to understand who he is, then comes the call, will you follow him? And so all through these early chapters in Mark's gospel, he has been revealing who he is. And these verses that uh, Murdo has read to us, I, I want to uh, focus in on them, and I want to ask a question, what is being revealed about Jesus in these chapters? And then as we understand our, in, in these verses, and then as we understand what's being revealed about him, then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you if you're willing uh, to trust him uh, with your life. So I just want to uh, kind of package my message in three points. Uh, first of all, a revelation, thinking about what is being revealed here. Just take a moment or two after we have seen the revelation to revel uh, in what we're seeing 
And then uh, I'll ask you about a response uh, to see if we're all on the same page with regards to what we understand uh, about Jesus. Uh, So a revelation, first of all. Um, You see verse 52 of uh, chapter 6. It says, at the end of these two stories, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, it says, uh, for the and, and uh, verse 51, they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, uh, but, their, uh, for, uh, sorry, but their hearts were hardened. And so, we can get the suggestion from that that they should have understood something about Jesus from the feeding of the 5,000 that they didn't understand. But then, having seen him walk on the water, they were able to understand something about his walking on the water and about his feeding of the 5,000. And so I just want to start with the second story first and see what they should have been getting or what they did get from that story, and then we'll go back into the feeding of the 5,000 to see what they should have been getting from that story. So what were they supposed to see in these stories? First of all, in the second story, Jesus comes walking on the water. So uh, he had been feeding the five thousand the previous or, uh, yeah the the, the uh, previous day, and they were on the far side of the Sea of Galilee uh, and then he dismissed the crowd and he dismissed the disciples. The disciples got into the boat and started to make their way across the lake while Jesus went up on the mountainside uh, to pray and um, uh, it, it, it tells us in the middle of this passage that by the fourth watch of the night they were they were making headway painfully. Uh, so they had left the shore uh, before sundown uh, after the event of the feeding of the 5,000, and they had started to make their way across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so they had been at it uh, right through till the fourth watch of the night, which is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So they had been at it at least 12 hours, rowing in a rowing boat, trying to get across the Sea of Galilee. They're making headway painfully, it says, for the wind was against them. And then at the fourth watch of the night, you've got this divine figure uh, coming, walking over the waves uh, to rescue them. Uh, So they had been out there, as I say, for for, uh, over 12 hours, uh, or at least, uh, or, uh, or, or maybe approaching 12 hours. And then Jesus comes walking on the water. And what are they supposed to see through that? What's the significance of him coming walking on the water? Well, chapter 9 of the book of Job in the Old Testament speaks of God, and it says about God that God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. He alone stretches out the heavens and the waves of, and, and uh, so, sorry, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. It goes on to say that he makes the bear and the Orion. And so, the first thing that they might see as this divine figure comes walking on the waves, is that there's only one who is able to walk on the waves, and that is the one who made the waves. Not only does he come walking on the waves, but he comes walking on the waves to save them and to rescue them from the peril of the sea. I'll come back to that in a minute or two. So that's one thing that that they might have seen. Who can walk on the waves? Only he who made the waves. And then, and then um, as he comes to them, 
as they're struggling in this, in the, in this boat rowing and uh, uh, pulling at the oars for all they're worth, he comes to them as they're struggling and he says, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. That little uh, phrase in the Greek that, that is translated, it is I, is ego, I, me, which is identical to the I am that the Lord revealed himself with when he was speaking to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, and this, it is I, take heart, it is I, or take heart, I am, is, is another clue for them as to who he is. Um, uh, hopefully jogging in their memory the Old Testament God who revealed himself as the I am. So he's coming, walking on the waves, and he reveals himself as the I am. And then there is a strange part in the story uh, where um, uh, as he came to them, uh, it says in, uh, just, just at the end of verse 48, he meant to pass by them. It's the strangest thing because if he's coming, walking on the waves to save them, what sense would it make for him, him to kind of shimmy or uh, smirk at them and, or, you know, and, and uh, then seemingly pass by? And so there's something strange in that detail. Why would he mean to pass by them whenever they were uh, needing his help? And I think that also is supposed to recall in their memories an Old Testament story where uh, uh, Moses was asking to see God's glory. And, uh, and uh, God had to explain to Moses that, that he couldn't see him face to face. But then he explained if he would, if he would stand in the cleft of the rock, uh, he, uh, he, uh, God's glory would pass by. And I think that too is, in, is intended to be an echo of the Old Testament uh, God. And so what, what we have here in this story of Jesus walking on the water is... is uh, various echoes of the Old Testament, uh, of, of Old Testament moments, where we see a rescue from the sea, just like God did for His Old Testament people. And we see the great I Am revealing Himself again. And we see a God who passes by and something of His glory is seen. So if you put those uh, different little events together, it focuses your mind back to the Exodus story. And Jesus seems to be revealing to these people that the God of the Exodus is back again. And what does the God of the Exodus do? You go back into the Old Testament story of the Exodus. Uh, the, uh, the key event of the Exodus is that God rescues His people from Pharaoh's bondage, brings them through the sea, and provides for them during their wilderness wanderings, and then takes them uh, to the promised land. As these uh, disciples and others that are gathered and watching the life of Jesus, trying to understand who Jesus is, He is revealing to them bit by bit through this gospel that He is the same God that was revealed in the Old Testament. He is the God of the Exodus being revealed in this story, a God who rescues His people, brings them through the water, provides for them through the wilderness, and takes them 
to the promised land. So that's the first part of Revelation that we should be getting, I think, from this passage. And then the feeding of the 5,000. So they should have recognized him in the feeding of the 5,000, but it says that their hearts were hardened and they were not able to recognize him. So what should they have seen? Well, the kind of main image here is of a massive group of people being fed in the wilderness. Uh, just in its, in its basic components, he has 5,000, maybe 10,000 if there was a woman and children there, uh, but, but at, at least 5,000 people in a wilderness or a desert as it's described here, and they're being fed by one man. Uh, you see how the story um, uh, unfolds when uh, he takes this meager portion of five loaves and two fish, and as he takes them, he looks up to heaven, and he breaks the bread and blesses the bread, uh, and then distributes the bread among them. Um, and just as he's looking up to heaven, it seems like the bread is coming down from heaven. And again, I think what they're supposed to see here is an echo and a reminiscence and a reminder that the God who provided bread for his people in the wilderness in the Old Testament is the same God that is being revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus here in this story. Um, uh, uh, back in the story of the Exodus, God said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And I think that is what is being revealed here. And another detail that's worth picking up, uh, Mark tells us that the grass is green. None of the other gospel writers, when they're telling the story of the 5,000, of the feeding of the 5,000, bother to tell us that the grass is green. But I think Mark tells us that intentionally because these people would have been like, as I was trying to describe to the children, maybe not very well, they would have been like white blobs of linen sitting on green grass. They didn't have all the fancy dyes to color their clothes the way we do. They just had the bog-standard linen clothes. And so if you were standing at a distance looking at this scene, you would see one person providing bread for them. You would see green grass for the carpet on which they were sitting. And if you were up on a mountain looking down on it, what you would see would just be a whole lot of little groups of white blobs. And I think the picture there that is being painted is of Jesus as a shepherd looking after uh, his people. Um, and so... Putting all that together, thinking of what is being revealed here about Jesus is that he is the God of the Exodus, the God who rescues and the God who shepherds uh, his people. Um, uh, yeah, thinking back uh, to that. And so... As, as they're discovering who Jesus is, and as I hope you are discovering uh, who Jesus is, the, the uh, Old Testament stories and the New Testament stories go together 
to reveal to us that the God who rescued and shepherded his people in the Old Testament is the same God who is with us today in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would be our rescuer. He would be our savior. And he would be our shepherd if we uh, would trust him. Looking forward from the Old Testament, Isaiah 40 uh, looked forward to the coming of Jesus and it said, See the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. He comes and his reward is with him. And his, uh, uh, he goes on to say that he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart and gently leads uh, those that are young. Ezekiel 34 The sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on days of clouds and darkness. And I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. Jesus is being revealed as a rescuer and a shepherd. Uh, He has... Um, he has history of being able to do this. As he rescued Israel of old, so he is able to rescue us. As he shepherded and provided for Israel of old, so he is able to shepherd and provide uh, for us. Uh, That's the revelation. As we revel in that, or just as we take a moment to reflect upon that, uh, that he is a rescuer, um, It's helpful for us just to pause and remind ourselves that that there is no other rescuer. There is no other way out of this world and on to glory. Uh, Only He can rescue us. Only He can pay the price of our sin. Only He can set us free uh, from sin's power and its penalty um, and take us on to glory. Um, I think there's an interesting... uh, little contrast that, that we can make from this story. So these guys, these disciples, are, are straining at the oars, making headway painfully across the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And they've been at it for 12 hours, and they're not making much progress. And rather than standing on the shore and yelling out at them, or using a megaphone to yell out at them to row harder. Jesus comes walking on the water to rescue them and, and to take them to the other side. All the other religions in the world are like uh, self-help manuals that do the opposite that tell us as human beings struggling through the messiness of life to row harder, to try harder, to do this, that, and the other, to try and help yourself and save yourself. But Jesus, rather than yelling out at us just to keep trying in in, in our own strength, comes to us as we're floundering on the waves and on the uh, torrents of life to rescue us and to take us to the other side. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you. And he would come to forgive us and rescue us. Without God, 
without Jesus as our rescuer, one day the darkness will envelop us. One day we'll go under in the floods of life. Uh, But with Him, we have a rescuer who would come uh, to save us and to take us uh, to the other side. But not just as a rescuer. Uh, He is a shepherd for His sheep. These disciples in this story are tired and weary. Uh, Maybe you're tired and weary. Uh, They've been out on mission, and it's been taking its toll on them. And Jesus' response for them, Jesus' uh, Jesus answer to their tiredness, uh, His um, remedy for uh, recuperation and renewal is is for them to take time out with Him uh, and to enjoy His teaching. And as he teaches them, he feeds them bread uh, and fish until they're, f- un- 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 until they're full, full and satisfied. And it would seem that the parallel for us is that we will find uh, bread for our bellies. We will find satisfaction. We, we will find strength for the journey uh, as we take time out with Jesus, as we listen to his teaching. Uh, and as we, as we feed on His Word, as we fellowship with His people, as He will shepherd us uh, through life um, and on uh, to glory. I used to uh, work as a, as, a, as a young fellow and as a, as, a, as a student when I was at university on a farm, um, feeding sheep and uh, looking after cows and that sort of thing, but to focus in on the idea of feeding sheep. Um, this time of year, or maybe a little bit earlier than this, whenever the uh, yos had their lambs at foot, um, I would zoom in on a quad bike, uh, maybe uh, to where the troughs were in the field, and we'd have some meal on the back of the, uh, of the uh, quad, and, and the, all the yos would come running uh, to get this food that, that would nourish them and help them to provide milk for their, for their uh, lambs. But there, there was a strange thing that, that, that happened almost in every flock of sheep where one or two yos would stand back from the trough, and when you provide meal, they wouldn't press in to get it. And you could see it in their constitution, and you could see it in their lambs, that they hadn't been feeding, and that, and that, that, they, that, that, that they weren't pressing in to take the meal, and so they, they weren't as well nourished. Jesus is a shepherd. He looks after us as His people, but His primary means of feeding and nourishing His people to lead us through the wilderness of this world and on to glory is through His Word, is through fellowship with His people around His Word. Um, And if you will not press in uh, to read the Bible and to enjoy the fellowship of God's people, you'll be malnourished as a Christian, uh, for this is His way of uh, providing for us. So what are we saying? Revelation, Jesus is being revealed here as the rescuer, just like the Old Testament God who rescues His people uh, from a watery grave in the Red Sea. He rescues His people from from, uh, loss in the Sea of Galilee to take them to the other side. And He is also a shepherd, just like the Old Testament God who provided for His people in the wilderness. So Jesus is the Son of God with us to shepherd His people through. And so 
just as I finish and as I ask you about your response, I, I, I just want you to get, first of all, that your response doesn't change who he is. He is a rescuer, and he is a shepherd. Many Christians alive now and, 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 in our, uh, and our ancestors have proven him to be a rescuer and a shepherd. But the key question is, will you allow him to be your rescuer and your shepherd for your uh, life? Um, have, you, have you recognized him as your, as your rescuer, as your savior? Uh, does your life look like straining at the oars in your own strength, trying to find your own way of salvation? trying to say enough prayers to get your way to heaven, trying to dress up well enough for enough Sundays to get yourself to heaven, trying to do enough for your neighbors that that might uh, prove to be beneficial uh, in the uh, final assessment of your life. All of that just amounts to, 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 to straining at the oars, making little headway, frustrated with yourself and your lack of ability to live in a way that even pleases yourself, never mind God. But um, just as in the old Exodus story where God says, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. So in this story, Jesus sees that we would never be able to make it on our own. We would never have enough strength. These, These disciples seemingly would never have made it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, so he comes to rescue them, to get in the boat with them, to take the weight off of them, and to take them to the other side. So for us, he would uh, take your sin upon him if you would trust him. Uh, He would be your savior and your rescuer, and he would take the full weight uh, of dealing with your sin and uh, providing what you need to live this life if you would trust him. And he would be uh, your shepherd. Um, (laughs) Just comparing this with Psalm 23 that we have just sung together. uh, Here in this story, uh, we, we see Jesus as the shepherd who provides for his people through their desert wilderness experiences until they get to the promised land. Um, a bit like what I've suggested to you, we, are, we, are, we get enough nourishing and nourishment through the Word of God and the Word of God within the fellowship of God's people to see us through the wilderness. And... Um, And there is a satisfaction provided for these 5,000 people as they're fed, and it's enough to see them through the wilderness. But I love what, what is revealed here uh, of Jesus as a host. And what Psalm 23 does to, to shift our focus from Jesus as a host 
providing what we need in our time of necessity to looking forward to the day when we will dwell with him and he will be the host of heaven. And this idea of 12 basketfuls left over and the hearty satisfaction of these people as they have received one meal from Jesus, I think should excite our imagination that one day when we get to glory, it will not just be a little bit of bread and fish to see us through the wilderness, but it will be a full and rich uh, uh, satisfaction and delight uh, when we get to glory. Uh, We see Him face to face, and He is the host forever in heaven, providing for His people uh, that uh, sense of a great banquet uh, that is... uh, uh, that is described in some of Jesus' parallel, uh, parables. And we read of in Isaiah 25, 6, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare, a rich, uh, uh, will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged, aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. So in summary, what I'm saying is that Jesus is being revealed here. It's the Old Testament God come again to rescue his people and to shepherd his people. Revel in that for yourselves, but make sure that you have responded to him and that you are trusting in him and in him alone uh, to save you and to take you to the other side. I'll finish with the lyrics of an old hymn that you'll recognize. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, Pilgrim through this barren land, I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Just a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you. For the, for the great I am uh, who uh, revealed yourself uh, to Abraham of old, who revealed yourself to Israel as a nation, as a God who could rescue them out of Egypt through the Red Sea to Sinai, provide for them through the wilderness and take them on to the promised land. And we praise you, Lord, for the coming of the Lord Jesus and for how he is revealed in Mark's gospel and each of the gospels, uh, as a God who has come to save his people, as a God who has come to shepherd his people, and as a God just hinted at in this story, uh, who would be a host for his people uh, uh, throughout all of eternity. And so, our Father, we pray that we might uh, trust in you to rescue us, trust in you to shepherd us, and we look forward till that day when we're gathered together with our fathers uh, around your banqueting table uh, to uh, delight in the finest of fare, in the greatest of company, with the saints, um, feasting at the table of the one who provides basketfuls and uh, full satisfaction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we finish our service by 
by singing Psalm 119, uh, verses 172 to 176. You'll find it on uh, page 415 of the Scottish Psalter. Um, Yeah, thank you. My tongue, uh, my, my, my tongue of thy most blessed word shall speak in it, confess, because all thy commandments are perfect righteousness uh, to God's praise. My tongue of thy most keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.